podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the last word on Spurs as we return to try and dissect and review that game against Southampton at St Mary's. Delighted to have back alongside me for this show. I've got Jason McGovern with me. Jace, how are you keeping? Happy New Year to all the listeners first of all and um, the Happy New Year lasted for what? Nine hours or something like that and then it all went pear-shaped but uh, let's get into it mate. Now delighted to have with us two returning guests to the last word on Spurs. Delighted firstly to welcome back Dan from Yidvids. Dan, how are you keeping? And Dan, I know I've been asked to ask you this question. Are we not getting a decade video from you? Probably not, I'm assuming. No, I usually like to end them on a good memory. So uh, <laughs> 2019 and 2010 to 2019 didn't really end the best. But yeah, Happy New Year to everyone and to Rick and Jason and everyone. Like I said, Jason said, I think the, the happiness lasted for about eight hours, 30, mi- eight hours, 30 minutes. Um, also delighted to have back on this show. We've got Ashley Watts. Ash, how are you keeping? I'm good, thanks, mate. Um, loving the fact we started 2020 the same way as we ended 2019, to be honest. Yeah, nothing much has changed, has it really? Nothing much has changed. Well, let's get straight into it then. I mean, Jace, I am going to kick off by starting with yourself. I mean, I said it on Twitter, and I can't really divulge away from the same exact thought. For me, that was an absolutely embarrassing display up at St Mary's. You had 11 players there with no real identity. It's 11 human beings, no team collective whatsoever. We don't know if we've got a plan, a cohesive structure. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I will not be sad to see the main crux of this team broken up because they are simply not good enough to play for Tottenham. In what you can only describe, Jace, is a real unacceptable display. What do you make of it? We were poor for a lot of that game. Norwich was was a pretty poor performance and then that became even worse yesterday. And, you know, I think Southampton, I think, they hadn't kept a clean sheet at home for nine months or something like that. And other than one effort early in the half, we never really looked like scoring, did we? And, you know, displays like that used to get labelled as tactically clueless when they were under Pochettino. But you have to say that you, 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 I can't really blame Mourinho for, for that because when players can't pass to somebody two or three yards from them, when, when we just look a complete shambles and... People just kicking the ball in anywhere. I've said it so many times, haven't I? It doesn't matter what tactics you give players. If you can't do the basics, they're never going to be able to follow a plan. And there was no no identity in the team. There was no there was no real concerted spell of pressure. There was a, a little two or three minute spell. I think we won two corners, and and that was it. And the worrying thing is that teams like Southampton and Norwich and Brighton are just coming at us from the first minute because. 
that that fear that we used to have and the respect that we used to have as a big club has gone, and we're we're easy game for those teams now, and it's it's a it's a real wake up call. Well, we've we've seen it as a wake up call for a long time now, haven't we? But something is so much in need of repair, it, it's untrue. Dan, just to bring you in on that point that Jason says there, you know, we argued the fact that Pochettino was maybe not the full problem at Spurs. Mourinho is, again, not the main issue, but these players representing the club at the moment, they are the, the main problem here. Nothing is going to really change until this squad does have a full replenishment, is refreshed with really a massive overhaul. Can you see any other way we can get results, Dan, in the meantime? I'm not sure. I, 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 I take issue with Jason about um, saying that it was completely not on Mourinho's head because I think um, from the Chelsea game uh, two weeks ago now this has been coming and I think teams have worked out that if we don't just lump it over our midfield we don't look dangerous in any way whatsoever and if you can blame the players you can blame all the tactics you can blame everything you can blame Deli Alli not being able to trap a ball in within five yards of himself but if it's not working we did have players on the bench yesterday that that could have uh, done something different like Winks for example um, and I just don't see that that group of players, like you said, Ricky, yesterday, have the capabilities of playing any other way that is going to get us results consistently on a long-term basis. On the point you made there, Dan, we've got a question here from Minty Bloke at Minty Bloke Josie, just to stick with you and ask you this one. Josie said previously that fixing the fence is easy, but it would kill our creativity up front. You probably argue we haven't got that at the moment. Now that our creativity has gone anyway... Can we at least start getting clean sheets and build from there? Is that possible, Dan, with this squad at the moment? Individually, we're making way too many mistakes. I think you can create a system that stops players having the desperation of making last eight tackles or whatever. But I think with the players we've got, especially Aurier, which I, th- I think was horrible the other day again, um, Alderweireld had a well that for that goal wasn't the best. And I think personally, I'll, I'll get a bit of stick for this, but I think we probably got one of the worst keepers in the league at the moment. And I don't know how long Loris is is out for, but he will help despite all his problems um, or we're going to need to buy a new one, which will probably be in the in the summer if we do. Ash, just to bring you to the conversation here, a real dismal start, as you mentioned, in the 2020. You can only describe that display maybe as rudderless, lacking cohesion and injuries to Tungin and Bele and Harry Kane to really kind of compound what was a truly miserable day for Spurs. And the Mourinho bounce is well and truly over for now, isn't it? Yeah, I think the result and the performance was was terrible, to be honest. It couldn't have really gone much worse. Losing arguably two key players, maybe your most create, creative central midfielder, and then your captain. I mean, it's a bad day at the office, and uh, again, not a great start to 2020 at all. Ash, just to stick with you, again, we had a load of questions in here. This is from Jack Law at Custard Cream. He says, We've not been able to beat Newcastle, Colchester, Brighton, Watford. Everton, Sheffield United, Norwich and Southampton this season. The players are an absolute disgrace. What optimism do you have moving forward? It's a tricky question. It's the start of, of Marizera. It's only been a month. As long as he he he's able to bring a few of his own players in. I mean this this squad's been been stale. It's 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 not been turned over. It needs to be churned out. It this should have happened year two two, two and a half years ago when we weren't making any signings. Even the most successful teams, the, the best teams of the last like decade, they they always buy every year. Even if they win trebles, they buy players. And we seem to just think, oh, we can get by. This team will last forever. But ultimately, it doesn't. And and th- th- right now is the result of not not spending any money and not churning the squad. But if if Mourinho does get 
money and able to spend, then I'd be optimistic. But if, if we don't bring any new players in, then I can't see why it would change. What Ash has just picked up on in terms of transfers, Mourinho after the game was asked about the performance. It was a quite strange game. We had no problems defensively, which is an alarming comment to make when you saw the way we got absolutely picked apart for that first goal. We said Southampton didn't create many problems. He said the work is not about buying. It's about working with the players we have on the pitch. And you think, well, is this score going to get any better, Jason? When he made the remark, the first thing I thought was, I didn't think Southampton had any problems defensively. And we never looked like scoring and looked like creating anything. So, you know, Southampton had their one chance and they, and they took it. Clarify it. Where I said I don't put it all on Mourinho, we've tried playing out from the back this year. We've been poor. So we're, now we're going long and we're poor. We've tried transitioning the ball through midfield and neither Winks, Sissoko, Dyer, doesn't matter who's been in there, has been able to do it. We've we've tried different shapes and we've looked poor. So, you know, that's what I mean about I don't put it all on Mourinho and... And, you know, I think if Pochettino was still in charge, we'd still be having these same problems. I think it is that that group just looks so broken. It's, 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 it's you know, we know the problems we've got. The, the team looks so unbalanced. Um, I thought you know, we've tried the new players, haven't we? And Dombele, you know, it's the same old problem with him. The fitness, the Celso looks short of Premier League at the moment. Although I, I did think when he came on, I thought at least he looked to play. I thought, you know, he didn't have a good game, don't get me wrong. But at least when he got the ball, he, I thought he looked to pass it, whereas other players just looked like they were kicking it in the general direction of, of the other ends with no real plan or anything. I look at Sessignon and I thought he looked looked like Kieran Trippier at times. That You know, you got the ball wide and I think, go on then, Sess, show us that pace, show us what we've brought you for. And the ball just came straight inside, almost so I'll take the safe option. And so, you know, all those types of things as... We look like there's no belief in the side, there's no confidence in the side, and and I can't see any way around it other than than fresh blood. That's that's the thing. That, as you say, the new manager bounce has gone, and it's it actually hasn't lasted that long. And and those old problems, Yan and Toby look creaking. I'm surprised that Davinson Sanchez wasn't in the side. But um, it's you know you look at it and you think there's no one player in that squad who, if we bring him in, is going to give us this massive lift, is there? So. And, and, you know, even Sonny, I think, over this Christmas, he's missed games. And, and I saw people saying, oh, we, we missed Sonny yesterday. But, you know, his stupidity made him miss three games. So, you know, my, my annoyance even that Sonny was still there yesterday because I'm thinking, you know, you should be able to play in this game. But because of your own stupidity, you're not here. So, you know, you, you can't even absolve him from the blame. And, and his new blood that he's so badly, badly needed. Jace, like you mentioned there, like we all know, this squad, it does need new blood. And Dan, to come over to you, as Jason said there, it needs dismantling. We need a new recruitment plan starting right in this January window. Because we're just going through the motions at the moment with a squad really with no passion, no fight. Is it now up to Daniel Levy and the ball to save us any hope a Champions League football next season by actually going out and spending in this January window? And if we do... <laughs> Can we bring in players that are going to make an immediate difference, Dan, to really push us towards a Champions League spot? I mean, we're talking about the table at the moment. We're only four or five points off it. Can this still be rescued this season, Dan? Or do you think at the moment we're far away from a team that could be looking for Champions League football next season? Um, I think it's the hope that kills you, isn't it? I think um, if you'd have asked me three weeks ago before that Chelsea game when we could have beat them and gone fourth, I thought to myself, do you know what? We could be with a shout now, but the last three weeks has proved, like I said, like, like Jason said, how how sort of poor we are. Um, my worry about the January transfer window is I wouldn't be surprised if we brought maybe one in 
Um, I think it depends on departures as well. But my worry is that the reason Daniel Levy sacked Pochettino and brought in Mourinho so quickly is because he believed that the squad we had was very good as it was. I don't think <clears throat> I don't think he 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 thought that this squad was as poor as maybe it was, and that he obviously didn't trust Pochettino to to turn it round. Does he want to give Mourinho lots of money? I mean, I, I don't want to say he won't, but um, history tells you one thing there, and I, and I, I can't see him doing much, uh, doing much for Mourinho in January anyway. I think maybe he might look at it into the summer, but like I say, that might not be too late, and we might be out of the top four. It's difficult, Dan, from what you say there, to, to, to really know what our intentions are in January. Mourinho's planned it down, you would say he's rightly planned it down, because you have to keep your cards close to your chest, especially when, if clubs know you've got money to spend, that then makes the prices inflated, as we know. But, I mean, as you mentioned Mourinho earlier, and I think we have to say at the moment, this isn't the spurs of Jose Mourinho. He's picking up really where it was going downhill. Do you think you've got to give him a proper summer with the players and a summer transfer window? And then from next season, you can well and truly judge him. At the moment, surely, it's far too early, isn't it, to really judge Jose Mourinho managing this particular group of players? Yeah, definitely way too early to judge. Yeah. We've been playing, what, twice a week since he joined, every couple of days. And, you know, players need rest and then they they don't train so hard the day before. So he's probably not had many more days than like seven or eight days on the training field with the team. So I, it's way too early to judge. Also, you can't judge a, you can't really judge a manager on the previous manager's players. He, he, he'll want to like implement his style. We can see that he's, he's trying, but... You can't implement a star with players who aren't fit for the style. So, until uh, you, you kind of have to give a manager really two transfer windows and about a year's worth of working with the team to to really see a dramatic difference, and then you can judge judge him. But I I, I wouldn't say I'll be able to judge him until about this time next year. And if we're in the same position, then obviously we'll be having different conversations. We will be, won't we? It's just the nature of the fact that you can't go for some of the results we've had. I mean, Jace, just to kind of pick it up, over this Christmas period, four points in four games. And you look at Brighton, Norwich, Southampton, no disrespect to any of those teams, but that is woeful. We should be winning those games. Add to that, the fact that this season, as I mentioned earlier, we couldn't beat Newcastle, Colchester, Brighton, Watford, Everton, Sheffield United, and now Norwich and Southampton. You know, you'd be delusional to think at the moment, top four is a cast-iron certainty with this squad. It's a disgrace of a season so far, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. And we're just lucky that all the teams around us have so far underperformed, bar Leicester, you'd say, to some degree. I suppose you can't write our hopes off. And you think, however bad we've been, and my God, we've been bad. We're sitting there, what, fifth or sixth? Sixth is it today? I can't remember what it is. And you look at those games yesterday, and, you, you know, we, we talk about what Spursy results are, and you think Chelsea have gone to Tottenham and won. They've gone to Arsenal and won but they lose at home to Southampton and draw with Brighton. You know, Man United failed in their game and you think they had an easy away game last night. Um, you know, Sheffield United got Liverpool tonight. Wolves, they go to Watford, can't get a result, having lost to us. So, <laughs> you know, all the other teams have got the same failings kind of thing that we have. Nobody can can put a run together. And you just think if he can, you know, I, I said a few weeks ago, I couldn't see us finishing in the top four, but if he can make a few tweaks and you can just get put a run together you, you actually think the top four should be quite easy because no side is really putting that run together but the problem is you can't see us putting a run of say eight wins in ten games together and that's you know Liverpool 
let's be fair about it, Liverpool at home is, is our next Premier League game. I don't think any of the four of us think we can win that game, let's be honest. Not not if we've unless we've been on fifteen bottles of vodka tonight, well we think we can win that game. We so, might have run into this podcast though, Jace. We might be on fifteen bottles. Well, there you go. So, you know, that gap could be a fraction more and it, and I just feel that the way Tottenham are that we might well be we might well get something from the Watford game and then we'll have Manchester City and we'll drop points and then we'll get something from the next league game and maybe we'll put two wins together. And then it's Chelsea away and we'll drop again. And and every time we get within that touching distance, there'll always be a game that, that we'll lose. And it may well be we'll lose silly games like Newcastle away and we'll beat Leicester at home or something. But I can't see any consistency in that side, even when he, he makes a few tweaks, which I'm sure he will make in January. But I think it's going to be it's going to be a, a, a really difficult season and, and it's going to be a lot more days like Southampton than than actually we think they'll be. I mean, it's one that you can sum up. You can sum up getting beat, Jase, can't you, when you, you, you know, you've, you've given everything. But it's just at the moment for me the concern is the lack of identity. We don't seem to have any kind of play with structure. Or like I mentioned earlier, earlier, any cohesive player with his squad. And just to kind of revert back to the team lineup for this one, Dan, we saw Tugin Nabele, Ryan Sessegnon keep their place in Jose Munoz's side, with Sissoko returning to the heart of the Spurs midfield following suspension alongside Christian Eriksen. Interestingly, we saw Mora was also recalled. Lamella and Lachelso amongst the subs. But just on Ericsson, despite being free to sign for an overseas club, was starting two games in a row. Did that surprise you at all, Dan? Not yesterday or at Norwich, to be honest. I thought um, the lack of options, uh, especially especially against Norwich, made it quite obvious. And the one thing I give Mourinho a lot of respect for is that I think he did notice that we were very short in that centre midfield um, for bringing the ball out. So he has gone for Ericsson rather than Dyer. And Ericsson, whilst he's not on great form, did has contributed in the last um, uh, few weeks. Um, and he is better at uh, playing that sort of quarterback role than than maybe some of our other options. Um, however, as yesterday it didn't work out for him. I think as soon as Ndombele went off, and I'll probably get onto this, but he was our drive in the centre of midfield. Um, and without him, we just look, like you said about lack of identity, just completely lost. And it's it's not just um, about losing these these last few games and it's not just about the results. It's just the football that we're trying to play. And it, it's almost you're watching it just, just thinking, what are we doing? Like, what, what are we trying to do? Are we just trying to lob it up top to Kane? Are we just trying to... Oh, I don't, I don't know. And, and it made it a really, really tough watch. A, a tougher watch than maybe the results suggested. I agree, Dan. I mean, that's the hard thing, that you can't really even see what we're attempting to do. If you could see some kind of, you know, hope in terms of the way we're playing, that we're trying to move the ball forward and we're trying to play fast, fluid football, you could maybe take the fact of losing. But at the moment, because we can't see what the identity is or how we're looking to play, I think that's what's making this even more so painful as the as the season goes on. I mean, and just Ash, to come round to you, just in terms of the, the team lineup. um, with Ericsson, we have heard speculation over the last few days that he's now in talks with Inter Milan over a pre-contract in terms of going ahead to join them in the summer, which is more than obviously in, in his right to do. He's got the opportunity now with the January transfer window open. How comfortable are you, Ash, playing a player that has got the opportunity to secure a move away from the club? Can he be fully focused when he's on that pitch, or do you trust Mourinho that when he puts him on there, he is committed to Spurs, as Mourinho's told him and he's told us? That he is. I think it 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 should normally de- depend on the player. 
there's some players like for instance Aaron Ramsey last year he he signed that pre-contract with Juventus and still to the last uh, game he played he was paying out of his skin for them but we what we've seen from Ericsson in the past like year or so is his his mind's wandered he's he's looked at other challenges and he's totally switched off so from what I've seen I, I don't believe he can be fully fully 100% focused on Spurs because he hasn't been anyway the last the last year and this this could ultimately only make it worse because if he's talking to other clubs then then yeah, yeah I, you know what I, I think since Mourinho's come over he, he's actually picked up his performance he's actually playing a bit better than he was under Pochettino the last like 10 or 12 appearances under Pochettino I, th- I thought he was absolutely dreadful but I've honestly thought he's He's actually played a bit better the last last few games, but I don't know. If, what, what do you think? A, a player in his last year of his contract, if, if he's already signed for another club, do you think he can ever be a hundred percent focused? I feel like with Ericsson, he, he will he, he'll play, but there's also that caution if he was to get injured, that could really disrupt the move for him. So I don't know how a player can be fully focused on the job in hand if he's in the process of agreeing to move away. But then you make the point there, Ash, about for example Aaron Ramsey. He was committed to the very last day of his Arsenal contract and actually got injured before he actually completed his move to, to Juventus. And you know, that's a player that you couldn't question his commitment. But, I mean, one guy I want to bring it up, Jace, you mentioned it earlier, was Ryan Session because he came in again for Spurs. I think, was it now back-to-back starts for Ryan? I think even maybe three consecutive starts for him in the Premier League. Um, what did you make of his overall performance? You said there earlier for you that he didn't really get forward as much as you wanted him to. But he certainly wasn't one of the worst on display, was he? No, don't don't get me wrong. And he's he's obviously got to learn to play with us, and he needs to get some confidence from from missing so much football. I mean, what's his, his third, fourth start? He started what four games since June, so you know he, he's obviously got his own problems, and he needs to settle. and And I think he just wants to do the safe things rather than make the mistakes at the moment. But you know, when you look at the Ryan Sessegnon, Fulham, the dynamic player, we saw that fantastic couple of burst of pace, didn't we, in that in that Bayern game and the confidence with which he took that goal. And so you think, come on, give me give me that confidence. And you know, I, I don't mind a, a, a fullback or a wide player running and being tackled fifteen times. But you've just you know, the, the great ones, people like Ronaldo and that, they never ever f- frightened of losing the ball. They think, no, I'm gonna back my ability. And I just want to see him commit to, to taking players on a little bit more than he is. And that's when I compared him to Trippier because so often we used to see Trippier get wide, be fronted up by a defender and immediately pass inside. And you think, if you're the one that's got to provide our width, we need you to, to take players on. And at the moment, he seems a little bit reluctant to do that. And some of his crossing, let's be honest, was was no better than Serge Aurier's. So <laughs> I, I think there's a huge talent in Sessignon and in time, we'll see that talent. And I, I think he'll be a super player for us. But it's going to take it a lot of time. And at the moment, there's there's not really the signs that I was hoping to see from him. But he, I expect him to get there in the end. But it might take a, a lot longer for him to do it. I think what will be key, Jase, is to be able to give him this run of games that he's getting now. I think he's only yeah. going to improve definitely through game time. But Spurs, as you mentioned, Ash, earlier, I'm going to come around to you, Dan. Starting the new year exactly where we left off in terms of terrible defending and poor decision-making... And that leads us to that opening goal from Southampton. A long ball over the top. 
Ings completely turned Toby out of here old inside out before finishing so well. It was a brilliant bit of skill from Ings. He made that look easier than what it was. But Spurs, I don't know if you saw it. We put a clip up on last word on Spurs after that goal went in, Dan. We look so open. It's actually unreal, isn't it? Well, yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we got a warning the game before against Norwich as well, the one that was uh, disallowed for VAR for that toenail offside. So it should have been something that we'd either looked at or been aware of, but it didn't look like we were. Um, I mean, <laughs> going against sort of what you're saying, I think that the shape uh, since Mourinho has been in charge has has actually has improved a bit. I think what we did with uh, with Vertonga playing left back, dropping in, I know that didn't play like that on Southampton, but um, dropping into the three while Oreo goes forward, it has actually worked for us a bit. But it's not so much the shape, it's more the complete utter mistakes from uh, the goalkeeper for one and from from Vertonghen uh, from Alderweireld even um, two players obviously getting a bit older um, it, it's, it's just it needs to stop I don't know whether it's a lack of concentration or whether it's uh, a lack of confidence um, or what but it's, it's becoming way too regular uh, an occurrence. And that's just to bring you into that. I mean, Alderweireld as you said turned completely inside out by Redmond early on and then got turned again by Ings for the opener you know, at the moment, he, Alderweireld, does it worry you? He signed that new contract, and I think a lot of us were delighted to see Alderweireld pen, you know, his future really to Tottenham. Signing that new contract does take him really towards, you know, the end of his playing days, if you're going to be honest about it, because pace-wise, two or three years' time, what he's got left at the moment will probably go. Are you concerned, man, by Alderweireld's form? Yes and no. I mean, he, has, he hasn't got the full-backs beside him, which he used to have, which made us so strong. And I don't particularly think the midfield covering in front of him is particularly strong either. So I think it, even Virgil van Dijk would struggle in our defence because he's he's literally trying to cover the left, cover the right, cover the middle. Oh, dear. So, like, until we've got a set... And the thing is, he's playing with different different partners every week. The full-backs change, the midfield change. You look at a team like Liverpool, they play the same back four and pretty much the same three every every week. So until we've got a settled side with with actual full-backs that can defend and an actual central defensive midfielder that can defend, then again, you can't really judge him because he, at the back, he's, he's a world-class defender and he's proved that the last like five, six seasons. He's, he's played in Champions League finals. Like, he, he is a world-class defender. But the players around him just aren't up to scratch. I mean, you, you can't get away from that at the moment. The players around him are maybe having a massive impact on his form. But just in terms of goals conceded now for Tottenham, 12 months ago against Cardiff City was the last time Spurs kept a clean sheet away in the Premier League. And since then, we've conceded 31 goals in 18 domestic away matches. And if you even go further than that, you know, we've only managed now one clean sheet in all the 11 matches which Jose Mourinho has managed the club so far. And like I said, 18 goals conceded, which is the most of any top flight side during this period. And Jace, I mean, just on Alderweireld, let's be honest about it, he's, he's nowhere near his usual best. And just to pick up on the point Ash says there, how much do you put it down on the fact that confidence is so low in that back line where players are prone to making mistakes? Is it easy to say that, do you think, to some degree? It's a combination of a lot of things. As, as Ash said, there's... You know, players alongside him that aren't playing well. We're not protecting the the zone. We're making stupid mistakes, giving the ball away so easily in midfield. And I think it's it's a combination of all things. And 
it's, it's very hard for any of those players to have any confidence. I think if you took Toby in out and put Davidson Sanchez in there, would we look any better? No. I think if you took Yan out and you put Danny Rose in there, would we look any better? No. If, you know, we've tried a defensive midfield player in there in Eric Dyer. It hasn't worked. We've tried Harry Winks in there. It hasn't worked. And it, it seems, you know, just a, a malaise right across the team. I mean, if, if you sat there and you honestly, you know, forget that it's Liverpool. If you wrote down and said, right, who's guaranteed to start the next Premier League game? doesn't matter who the opponent is. Who do you want to start the next Premier League game? Right there, who's in form? I tell you what, you're going to have a hell of a lot of empty spaces on that team sheet, aren't you? And you're just kind of hoping that those players play well. But there's not a single player in that team that you could really say is in great form. We saw Delhi come back to form early on. But if you actually look at it, apart from the goal against Brighton, I didn't think he had a great game. I thought he was pretty average at Norwich. I thought he conceded the ball so often yesterday, really sloppy. Got back to his old um, his old tantrum type of ways. I saw him kick the post at the end when Oria over hit across, and I thought, well, Denny, every time the ball's got into you, you give it away today. So don't ever go at Oria's cross. And you know, he's another one who's out of form. Harry's not on the best of form. Sonny's got himself suspended. Lucas Moura's running up blind alleys again. You know, who who really can you put your fingers on and say he deserves to be in that side at the moment? And and, and be honest with yourself, there's nobody is there. So that, that manifests itself through the whole team performance. About a year ago, maybe two years ago, every Spurs player was interviewed about their best player, most important player at Spurs. Who did they all name? Or Moussa Dembele, wasn't it? When was, uh, since Moussa Dembele left, how many Premier League clean sheets do you think we have? Away yeah. from? None. Yeah. Zero. Zero. So that, show, that just shows the importance of having someone in the middle of the park who's willing to play the ball forward, but also to put a shift in and cover the, de- the defence. The thing, the thing was, Ash, we could have written the team down. You knew it was Walker and Rose. You knew it was Toby and Yan. You knew it was when... I mean, when Yama's such a massive miss, as well as Moussa Dembele, you knew Ericsson was going to play. You knew Lamella, uh, uh, Delhi was going to play. You knew Kane was up front. And really, it was a case of, well, will it be at that stage? Is it, is it Lamella or is it Son? And that was really, or that was really the only choice, wasn't it, to, yeah. to choose strongest team? Now, as I say, if you write it down, Harry gets in by, by the fact he's Harry Kane, and we got no other striker. But beyond that, you really struggle to write down who is our strongest team now. No, agreed, agreed, absolutely. Dan, I want to ask you about Jan Vertonghen's form because I mean, this this plus about it, the, the pairing of, of Toby and Jan, that's been a formidable pairing for both the club. And country for many years of a great understanding between each other, but at the moment, Dan, they look like they're just finished as a partnership, and they can't play together anymore. It's just mistake after mistake, and we saw the tongue with, you know, Jack Stevens' long ball went over his head for the opener. He should have done a lot better to defend Stuart Armstrong's cross that saw Redmond's shot deflected over. But I mean, I just these two, these guys are so experienced, and they just like completely completely lost with each other. This was such a telepathic partnership. What has gone wrong here, Dan? Is it just, again, a lack of confidence well, in that back line? Well, you said uh, earlier about um, worrying about, you know, Ericsson's free to uh, speak to other clubs. Should we be playing him? And the same, should, in a way, should reply to, to Jan Vertonghen. He's he's out of contract in four months too. Um, I, I think he's the bigger worry out of out of Alderweireld and uh, Vertonghen because I think he's been at fault a lot more than Alderweireld was, not the weekend, admittedly. Um, but uh, the only excuse I can give him is that he was playing left back and now he's playing the centre back and maybe just the change of position has just sort of 
uh, chucked him a bit. I mean, he's he's older than Oliveira as well. He's I think he's thirty two, is he still thirty three this year? Um, I think in terms of I know I'm sort of changing subject, sort of changing the subject here, but it is really it was really important giving Oliveira that contract because I think it's important that we keep at least one of those two. Um, because I don't think we're ready to completely rip the whole back line up in one go. Because um, if we were starting Sanchez and Foyth, people would be complaining. Because even even despite their youngness, I mean, they've got problems as well. Um, but I don't know now, due to his lack of form and due to the fact Alderweireld has signed on, whether he is going to get another contract. I don't think it's going to be as long as Alderweireld anyway, even if he does. Um it's, it's difficult. Just on with Song, you say you also really should have leveled the score five minutes before the break because he fired over from point blank range. It was such a disappointing showing, and you mentioned this before, Jace, that you know it is puzzling as to why Davison Sanchez wasn't starting that game. Maybe it is down to rotation, but you've got to be honest at the moment. You know, it might be an unpopular opinion amongst some, but Sanchez has probably been Spurs' best defender in periods this season. They've not listen. Don't get me wrong; no one's outshot anyone, but. At the moment, I feel more comfortable with Sanchez in there defensively than out of and Ambertong. And that says everything about how how low those guys have fallen. It does. Um, I think you're right. Davison Sanchez is probably our our best defender at the moment. But there's still major, major issues with Davison Sanchez, whether he has the ball at his feet and things like that. But don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd sooner see Davison Sanchez. But, you know, like I alluded to earlier, I remember when Jan was out the side earlier in the year. And we conceded some some really soft goals when Davison Sanchez was at fault. And we were all saying, well, if Jan plays, we don't concede those goals. But Jan's come back and we're still conceding those goals. And this is the problem. It, it doesn't seem to be any combination anywhere on that pitch that, that solves our problems at the moment. Um, you know, even... I'm not a Gazaniga fan. And, you know, talking about Gazaniga being a poor goalkeeper, we've had Hugo making the monumental cock-up at Brighton and trying to dribble outside of his box against Southampton. So, you know, it, it doesn't seem to matter who takes that field at the moment. There's just there's just so many mistakes and so many flaws in them. And, and nothing we seem to do seems to be able to fix the problem. And all you can say is, I look at it and I think, how the hell are we six in the Premier League? Because it shows you, you don't have to fix it that much, actually, to grab full spot, does it? Because, I mean, we look a side that should be six from the bottom, not six from the top. And you, you, you look at it and you think, how much worse can we get? And yet we're still six. It's, it's ridiculous. It's even more crazy, Jace, when you think that we're 18 points worse off than this stage yeah. last season in the Premier League after 21 games played. I mean, that, that's just incredible. And we've now, like I say, in terms of the conceding of goals, 18 in successive away league games, the longest top flight run without a clean sheet between April 1976 to April 1977. I think in that season, we got relegated. Now, I'm not predicting that, but, I mean, something has to change defensively. If you'd have said we'll be 18 points worse off and we still wouldn't have kept a clean sheet away, and we'd have, like, you, you would not say we'd be six in the Premier League. You would expect us to be in the bottom three or four with, with stats like that. You think, how can we be 18 points worse off and be six? I mean, that, that's just crazy, isn't it? Beyond, beyond belief. It's beyond belief to think we're 18 points worse off, but yet we're sixth in the Premier League. I'm not too far off the top four. And like you said there, you know, a few tweaks, maybe, just maybe, the season in terms of the top four is still salvageable. But on Batongan, you mentioned a very interesting point, Dan, in terms of his contract and, you know, the fact that he's free to talk to other clubs because it's a horrendous stat that Batongan lost possession 33 times in just that one game against Southampton. You know, that's an absolute crazy stat. How do you lose possession? 33 times, but what we're going to do 
We are going to go for a very quick break. And when we return, we are going to discuss Mourinho's antics, Undumbele's fitness, Harry Kane's hamstring, and also look ahead to Middlesbrough to come in the FA Cup. Do not go anywhere. We are going to be back after this very short break. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs. And we're going to discuss Tungi Undumbele. At the moment, no news as we stand here. We're recording on Thursday. We haven't heard anything in terms of injury and long-term what Undumbele's situation is looking like. But, I mean, Ash, just to talk about Undumbele's impact on that game for up to 25 minutes. He was undoubtedly Spurs' best player in the park. Looked absolutely brilliant the way he moved the ball. But for someone who's so talented at the moment, Ash, he seems to be so injury-prone. How much is that of a concern when you spend £65 million on a player and he's been here since, what, June? We got him in early so he could adapt to the Premier League. But at the moment, it's becoming a massive, massive concern for Spurs, isn't it? Yeah, I just, I just want to start by saying that every time he plays, he looks a million dollars. I, I always feel much happier when I see him on the team sheet. He's one of those who can glide past past the player and he's actually got a ball as well. But the injuries, they are worrying. I mean, he, he didn't seem to pick up any injuries when he was at his previous club. And then for some reason he's come to us and he can't be fit for like two or three games. They often say that you have to adapt to the Premier League and it might be because it's, it's so fast-paced and every game is high intensity rather than in the French league. I guess there's a few games where he can be off the pace and still be effective. But I don't know. It's, it's, it's not really serious injuries, is it? It's just like little muscle injuries here and there. And when a player's getting those sort of injuries, it is a concern because because if you're injury prone like that, it, it doesn't often tend to go away. The weird thing about it, actually, though, is that I think he, he missed a very few amount of games when he was in France. He was known to be one of the most consistent players in the team, wasn't really injury prone. But I mean, maybe it's just a case of trying to adapt to this league. You wonder. I mean, Jace, we replaced Dembele because he was consistently injured and couldn't seem to hack the Premier League. And at the moment, we've replaced him with Undembele, who looks brilliant when he's on the field, but is also consistently injured and can't seem to hack the Premier League. It's a massive concern at the moment, isn't it? Of course it is. I've, I've said it for a number of weeks, haven't I? And, you know, the the adaptation problems, I expect players to come from foreign league and struggle to adapt. Let's also struggling to adapt. You know, Sonny struggled to adapt. Lucas Moura struggled to adapt. But at least they were able to play. And, and the worry is that there's, there's no real... You know, Lacelso missed time because he buggered his knee ligaments up or something, didn't he? And Ryan Sessignon came with a ripped, ripped groin or something. So that's a major. Harry's now going to miss six weeks because of a major injury. Yet and Dombele doesn't seem to have that. It's it's a, a minor thing, and he feels pain, and so he needs a bit of rest. And he, then he plays a game, and then it's gone again. And Jamie will say, "There you go. That's why he was right to pull out of the Brighton game because he's not feeling." feeling fit and we've we've pushed him to come back and then he's broken down again but that's the worry there's nothing there's nothing major there and you know it's, it's all right to say well Spurs medical staff aren't handling the situation very well but they, they're handling the situation for for everyone else you can't just have a special medical team for one player but you fear that's what we're going to go and, and do and you know, we, we just said we, we so badly miss Moussa Dembele and that's the player we've brought to replace him and you know, if we thought Harry Winks and Eric Dyer could do that job, we'd have never got to spend the £65 million in the first place. And now players like Harry Winks and Eric Dyer's performance get criticised because they're not able to transition the ball through midfield. 
But, you know, we're getting annoyed at them for not being able to do the job that we spent £65 million on somebody to do. And, and until we can get him consistently on the pitch, I can't see how we solve that problem. And it's such a shame because you can see the talent in the player when he's on that pitch. And for the first, what, what was he, how long was he on the pitch? What, 25 minutes? You know, you could see in that 25 minutes he was on that he could have bossed that midfield and he would have been such a big player for us. And from the moment he went off, we looked even worse. But something's got to be done. I don't know how you handle the situation. And Mourinho looks as if he's he's kind of shrugging his shoulders at it, as if to say, you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether it's the medical staff at fault, whether it's the boy at fault, whether there's a low pain threshold, whether he's genuinely injured, whether he's not. I don't think any of us know the case. We never will do because we don't see the, the fitness records of the players. But it is becoming a, a major problem, that's for sure. Dan, just to bring it back a sec, you know, 11 days ago, Undumbele declared himself unfit to face Chelsea, despite playing back-to-back Premier League games for Spurs since. 11 days later, it's his third match in a row. He leaves the field for injury. Should we be majorly surprised when he already gave Mourinho a bit of an indication that he wasn't fit to begin with at the beginning of those period of games? Well, well, one thing I will say is that we shouldn't, we shouldn't know. We shouldn't have been told that he declared himself unfit um, to play. I think that was a massive mistake. Um, I think Mourinho should have kept it in-house, shouldn't have dug him out like he did. And even his comments about him yesterday were hardly uplifting. I mean, he might be right. We're all listening to him going, yeah, yeah we paid 65 million for him. We, he, you know, he should be doing this. He should be running through walls and everything. But keep it in-house. Because now he looks a bit stupid because he declared himself unfit. And like you said, three, uh, two games later, uh, two 90 minutes and then 25 minutes, five days later, or whatever it was, he's broke down with what he was worried about. So it didn't need to happen. It's been blown up into something much more, much worse than it actually maybe is. It's devastating for us because I think, like everyone said, he is he was the best player on the pitch, I think, against Norwich. I think he was the best player on the pitch for the 20 minutes, uh, best player, best Spurs player on the pitch um, against Southampton. I think there are shades of the old Dembele in him. I think his, his ball control, he doesn't actually always look like he's got it completely under control, but he seems to never lose the ball. And, he, and like uh, Ash said, he's got a great pass on him as well. But I just think, I don't know how long he's going to be out. Hopefully, it's just a short-term thing. Um, but he needs to be managed better. I think that comes from Mourinho and potentially from the uh, medical staff. I mean, just to bring you into this conversation, Ash, how concerned are you by Mourinho's criticism of him publicly when he says he's always injured? He's injured, he plays one match. The next week, he's injured again. He then plays another match. We are full of hope. And this is since the beginning of the season. Of course, it's a concern. You think you have a player. You think the player is an evolution process. He plays very well against Norwich. You think today he's ready for it and he's not ready for it. I cannot say much more than it because it's a situation that comes from the beginning of the season. I mean, would you rather, Ash, that we don't hear this? And because it is so played out publicly, when you see Munoz's track record with established, well-known players, you know, players I look back only recently, someone like Paul Pogba at Man United, where let's be honest about it, he was the star the same as Undenbele at the moment, you would say, from the outside looking in, he is the real star of this Spurs team. Do you concern yourself that this could all be going exactly the same way as he did with Pogba and it's going to really, really dismantle the club? Because we need Undenbele. He's a massive asset to this football club, isn't he? If we can keep him fit. Yeah, you can, you can look at it in a couple of ways, really. Every, every club Mourinho goes to, he kind of finds a scapegoat who he, who he outs in public. I don't really know why, and I don't really know what effect it has, because it can never really have a positive one, because the player's just going to get annoyed. But then, ultimately, he might be frustrated because of what he's seen with Ndombele when he plays. He knows He probably knows how important he is to the team, especially at the moment when 
let's face it, we're, we're not exactly, um, we haven't exactly got loads of options in midfield. So he probably wants to be playing him all the time and he knows that we're a much better team with him. So he might just be frustrated and call him out in public trying to get him to, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> you can't get him to become fit, but try and get him involved in a few more games. But it, it is worrying, but that's what Mourinho does. He he pulls out players, and if he doesn't think they're pulling their weight, then it then it's there. I was just hoping that um, it might last a couple more months rather than just the month we had uh, without him going back to his old ways. Slight difference, I think, with with the Pogba case is that Pogba was such a high profile player for Man United. He's a player that he spent what was it, hundred million pounds on or. I can't remember the fee, was it 90 million? You get the, the agent that's constantly talking in the press. I think there's a lot more goes on with all Pogba than at Dombele. There's, there's lots more stuff in the dressing room that goes on. There's the, the huge ego that Pogba brings, isn't there? And this he can almost be a... I mean, I like Pogba as a player, but he can almost be a distraction to the whole team because when Man United play, so often it is all about Paul Pogba. They can play poorly and the only one that gets criticised is Pogba. When they play well, it's because of Pogba. So I, I think the, the level of, of problems between Mourinho and Pogba will, will, will never get there between Mourinho and, and Dombele because it's just the profile of the player is so different. Jace, Deli Alli wanted a penalty early on, but Mike Dean was having absolutely none of it after going down under Stevens' challenge. But once again, far from the form we've seen in Ali in recent weeks. And again, after the game, Mourinho criticised VAR after a possible penalty for a foul on Deli Ali that wasn't reviewed, does it concern you how outspoken he's becoming very, very into the job where I was conv- say convinced it did seem there was a personality change, but in the space of five to six weeks, you could say on the back of watching this Spurs defence week in, week out, that would make you react the way you are. Slowly, that humble mask, the man that seems so cool, so calm, he's starting to get fired up, isn't he, Jace? Just a little bit, we're seeing... I'm not surprised, and I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm not in the least bit bothered because I I totally expected it, and like I say, usually it's a it's a distractionary method from the fact that we lost that game because we were we were good enough. It, it wasn't because we never got a penalty for for Deli Ali or anything like that. We, you know, we we struggled the whole game. We, we were being overrun from an early stages, so ev- everything becomes a distraction to that. And you know, he's not the first manager to do that, but. Um, you know, I, I mean, I've seen it back and I'm not so sure it's a... I didn't sit there and, and jump out and think that's a 100% penalty. It might have been, it might not have been. It was one of those incidents that, that Spurs fans will say, oh, that's that's a nailed-on penalty. But I guarantee you, if that happens next week when we play Liverpool, it's Salah that's going over, we'll be accusing him of diving and cheating. And if Aubameyang does it to us, we'll accuse him of diving and cheating. And yet when we do it, it's a nailed-on penalty. It, you have to look at it objectively. And for me... I, I wasn't screaming for a penalty for it. I thought, oh, it looks looks one of those. He's gone looking for the penalty. I don't even mind that he's gone looking for the penalty, but he's gone looking for it. He's made sure there's. He's made sure he's got caught and he's gone over quite softly. But Delhi through the game was was going down far too often for me. He got. He seemed to get into that mode where he knew perhaps he wasn't playing well and he, he constantly looked for for free kicks and things. And you know, he looked the Delhi Alley. Let's be honest. He looked the Delhi Alley yesterday that he looked. You know eight weeks ago, didn't he, when he was struggling originally. Dan, I have to ask you also, Lucas Moura, we love this guy, we adore this guy for what he's done for the club in terms of when he got us that Champions League final, that hat-trick. We look back even at the Man United brace, we look at the key goals he scored against the likes of Liverpool, Man City, but again, a game where, you know, he gets the start, but there just wasn't any end product by him, was there? I mean, 
Dan, someone asked me this. I want to get your thoughts on this. Is Lucas Moura this era's Nasser Chadley? I think I saw that as well. <laughs> um, uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, I think he's actually been scapegoated a bit recently because I think he actually had a really good game against was it Brighton. He was one of the few that sort of uh, dragged us back into the game and we eventually went on, winning, went on to win it. Do I think he's one of the best players in the world? No. Um, do I think he could be better? Yes. Um, but I think... Uh, like like we talked about earlier, Deli Ali was 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 the one of the bigger offenders yesterday, and, and not really people have said much about him. Um, I don't know whether it's uh, the system that isn't suiting him. Uh, I think he needs to definitely st- uh, stay wider for longer rather than drifting into the middle and getting in everyone's way. Um, but I, I I think I still think there's a player there. I think he's technically very good. He just sometimes he just doesn't really come off for him. Ash, that's pretty in your thoughts on Lucas Moura, because there's no doubt, Ash, there's, listen, there's a talent there, and we've seen it on, you know, many occasions, but what we haven't seen, Ash, is it consistently. Can Mourinho bring that to his game? He can, and I, what I've seen of Lucas Moura, he's a great player. You don't you don't play for PSG and because you're a poor player, but the consistency, that that's an issue with those sort of players. They blow hot and cold. You can go through a run of form with like three or four games where they score loads of goals. and then. But when, when they're not scoring and not contributing to the team, you, you think, what does he bring? And you do have to question whether or not he is better as some sort of like an impact sub. With with the pace he has against like a team with tired legs, then he's unbelievable. But if, he, if you're playing in, him in a team... And you're looking to break down, and you're sitting deep, not giving him any space in behind. Then has he got the creativity? I think that's the key. It's 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 not so much as an impact sub. It's it's the type of opponent, and you know the goals, the the, the, the great games that he's had, and you know scoring at Old Trafford and scoring at Anfield and scoring at the New Camp and things. None of those teams will sit back, will they, with ten men behind the ball in the same way that once Southampton got their goal, they just did it and gave Negri fouls away. They'll continue. Those sides will continue to to play football at you. So you'll have that space to, to try and exploit. And it's when he's got that space to exploit. I mean, even Ajax in the semi, they didn't sit on a 2-0 lead, did they? They were quite happy to keep coming at us. And so he's able to benefit from that. And I think it's, the, the, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he actually has a good game against Liverpool because they won't come and defend for 90 minutes. They'll, they'll bomb on at us and keep attacking us. And so I can think he'll have a good game. The problem seems to be that then we'll go to Watford and they'll make it extremely hard, get people behind the ball, and that's when he'll struggle again. Talk about creativity. What I want to ask you about Giovanni Lachelso. You brought him up earlier. I mean, he entered the fray early following Ndombele's injury, but he just couldn't really influence the game. Despite, I will say, he was trying to make things happen. One of the very few players I think that really put himself about. Do you think he'll be a success in the Premier League, or again, is it very too early to make that judgment at the moment? I think it's too early. He may well have... He may well... The more he plays, I can see him having a good half hour in a game and then one week he'll have a very good game and then the next week he'll he'll be anonymous. And I think that's that's the type of way that, that players are in their first season. Like I said, he, he, he certainly didn't have a great game by any means and there wasn't much he did do. But I, I did feel like he was looking to pass. He was looking to, to try and create things. And OK, it didn't, didn't necessarily work, but, but when so many of the others just seem to be hoofing the ball in any direction... I, I thought there was, I could see what he was trying to do at least. So he was, I might give him a, a five out of ten type of thing. He certainly wasn't a great game, but, it, you know, at least he was trying to do things. Do, you, do we reckon that Mourinho wants to keep him? Uh, well, I suppose, you know, if Ericsson goes, then he may well, 
he may in this window he may well have to rely on him more. But I get I get the feeling he'd sooner not have to to go and cart that money out. But then you know, are we really going to have a fourteen million pound loan player? And if we're getting that top four, you've got to keep him anyway. So you know, again, it's man management, isn't it? We've got to find a way to to get him settled into that side and make him feel like he's an important player. Ash, I want to ask you a question. We've got one in here from Dave Ellis at fullback zero three. It says, I understand the defensive issues, but our lack of creativity is the real worry at the moment. The likes of La Celso, Deli, Mora, Eriksson have provided absolutely nothing. How can Mourinho get these midfield players working? They just have to play better. I mean, the quality's there in in all those players. Eriksson, he's been... Is it apart from David Silva? He's got the most, like, assists in the last decade like the the players are are quality players they're just not performing to the standards which they're capable of it's quite hard to put a finger on who who's to blame or or, or what needs fixing it's just, the the whole team is underperforming and they they all need to step up it, it doesn't matter who plays at the moment you're still getting the same sort of performance and ultimately you'll get the same sort of result maybe it's one result one result will change it maybe it's the Liverpool game, we're underdogs, they come at us and it might suit us. Without Kane, we have a few players who we'll probably play Son and Lucas with pace uh, in behind. We'll look dangerous. So maybe that's what you need. The one result that will therefore like turn the season, really. Now, you mentioned Kane there. And as far as we understand it, Harry Kane is, looks likely now to miss the next four to six weeks with that hamstring injury. There'll be some say it could be worse. We know Harry normally tries to get back as soon as possible. But Jace. In terms of that blow, we've got some massive crucial games coming up. Do you back Hummin Son, as he's always been really, to come in and hit the ground running? Because we haven't really got much of a choice now. I mean, Or is this an opportunity someone like maybe for Troy Parrott? Or do you think that's putting so much pressure on a young kid when he's going to come into a team that, in reality, is just so low on confidence? Yeah, I think with, with Troy, if you're going to bring in young players, you want to be you want to be playing well and with confidence in the side so that, you know, if, if, if they don't particularly play well, that there's enough other players in that side playing well that you can get away with it. But at the moment, when, when nobody's playing well, I think that's a hell of an ask to, to ask Troy Parrott to come in and, and lift everybody, particularly against particularly against Liverpool, where, where, let's be fair, most teams are struggling against them. So, you know, Sonic, so he owes us. He owes us big time for what he did against Chelsea. He's missed those last three games. He, he keeps telling us that he'll never do it again, and then he's done it again. And... Um, you know, last year when Harry was out, Sonny was at those Asian games. He came back and he, he carried us forward for the next few weeks, didn't he? Until Kane was fit. And we have one game, big games of football without Harry Kane. So Harry Kane's loss, I don't sit there and think, oh my God, what are we going to do without Harry? Of course, it's a massive loss. He's, a, he's the talisman. But he, you know, lots of people have been criticising his form of late. And we have shown in that time that we can win games without Harry. And like the boy said, I think maybe the Liverpool game, in a strange way, with able to use Mora's pace and Sonny's pace, in a strange way, it might actually help us without Kane. But but going forward, of course, it's a, a big loss. And, and I wonder who the captain of the side is. You know, we've talked about lacking leaders. Hugo's gone. I don't, again, I looked at Harry as a captain Saturday and I thought, uh, rather, Southampton, and I thought, come on, Harry, start start geeing a few up. It wasn't there. You know, you have Tongan's taking it over. Yen doesn't look a captain at the moment, does he? Eric Dyer doesn't look a captain. So it'll be interesting to see who the hell gets the armband. Based on maybe experience at either Yan 
or Toby. Will Toby. Get it. I, I yeah, can you, see it being Toby. Yeah. yeah, it has to be Toby. Yeah, you think so? I mean, Dan, just yeah. bring your thoughts into it because on losing Harry Kane's injury after the game, Mourinho said, "When we lose our target man, we know the part of the game where we are normally dominant is gone." We played 15 minutes of the game plus without a recognised striker. There's been a lot of links, Dan, as you probably are aware, to maybe Spurs looking to sign an alternative striker. Would that be something you're in favour of, or would you rather see those minutes given to Troy Parrott? Or do you think, again, as I said to Jason, it's just not fair on the kid. Put him into a team at the moment that is so low on confidence. It needs a leader. It needs someone that's been there and done it. And Mourinho, with his calibre of being able to attract players... Is that worth it long term to bring in another alternative striker to Harry Kane when alternatively when Kane is back fit, that guy won't probably get regular games? In terms of Parrot, I think it is, is too early for him, isn't he? He's still 17, isn't he? I think bringing him in against, I mean, maybe he might play against Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough at the weekend, but for a team against Liverpool, I think that is a big old ask, especially for a 17-year-old um, who's, who's not started a Premier League game yet. Um, in terms of a striker, and I know, I know he wasn't everyone's favourite, but... I think what we had with, with Llorente last year was was almost perfect and a, a sort of ageing striker that could come on and help in times of need but was happy to sit on the bench. Um, I mean, would it be nice to have Kane and Cavani as his backup? Obviously. Um, but let's be realistic. I don't think um, the club or even maybe Mourinho would, would even would even want someone of that calibre on the bench. I mean, they'd want someone, but it's just not going to happen. Um so it kind of takes it back to, you know, it didn't seem like a bad idea getting rid of Urente at the time. However, this is the sort of time that he would be very much needed. And I think especially with Mourinho, with the way Mourinho plays, I think a player like that would be perfect. Um, the only problem is, is that without Kane and we put Son up front, or even if we, if we put Parrot up front or, or Mora, the way we've played in the last 10, 11 games will have to change because we are not lumping it long to Lucas Mora because he's five foot eight, he can jump, but he's not a target man like Harry Kane is. And that's my worry. And I think we're going to have to try and start playing a different style, especially while Harry's not there. Yeah, agree. Now we're going to have to start changing it up and maybe that could benefit Tottenham. And listen, don't get me wrong, as Jason said earlier, you know, Harry Kane is absolutely crucial to this team, but we have seen Spurs' ability without Kane to still get results, big results, especially in the Champions League last season. You remember, I think, the, the Man City game with Son when he started, scored an absolutely crucial goal. And now I think Son owes us missing those three games through suspension. He needs to come back and hit the ground running. Before we look ahead to Middlesbrough, I just want to quickly squeeze in Mourinho's antics towards the end of that game because, Ash, we saw he was booked for going over to Southampton's coach and attempting to read their tactics. After the game, he was asked to explain why he was booked and he said, I think the yellow card is fair because I was rude, but I was rude to an idiot. Is the old Jose Mourinho coming back here? From those comments, you have to say yes. I feel like when when Jose took over, we had a couple of positive results and it kind of like lifted the mood. And it's quite easy to be changed person and all happy and the what did what, is, what did he even call himself? I don't know the humble one. Yeah, like it's quite easy to be like that. But when results change, you you see the real side of people, and that's what that's what I think we saw yesterday with Mourinho. He, he's obviously frustrated. He's not happy with how the team's playing not happy with the performance and uh, yeah he's 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 bored over and he's he's done he's done something stupid it's embarrassing really but we, we don't want that sort of behavior associated with our club but we all knew that's part and parcel of having Mourinho he's a serial winner but he'll get you he'll get you headlines good and bad and you just got to take it I mean 
I back the manager. Whoever we have, I back the manager. So onwards and upwards, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because we've gone from a man that, let's be honest about Pochettino, he's just the complete opposite of Jose Mourinho, just in terms of his character, how he carries himself. I mean, Jace, we spoke about this a long, long time ago, that Mourinho, you said, would never change. That persona he has, no matter if he tries to hide it, it's always going to be there. Was you was you quite embarrassed to see that yesterday? I mean, there's no need for it. Needless, embarrassing, and and that's it. I don't want to say too much because <laughs> you know what I all said about Mourinho at the start, and I got I got absolute pelters for not giving him a chance. But but there you go. But this that's, isn't about giving him a get. chance, Chase. This is just about just embarrassing behaviour that we don't want anywhere near our club. And do you think? I mean, it sounds really silly that in the cold light of day, do you think Daniel Levy would even have a word with him on that, or do you think he wouldn't? Nah. Daniel knows what he's like. Oh, Daniel knows what he's like, and and that's that's what you get with him. And let's be honest, it won't be the last time, will it? it it'll happen again. And I think, as as Ash just said, the frustrations in him at the performances and and things come out in that way. And he, he can either go absolutely mad at the players in public, which he won't do, apart from maybe the little bit of Dombele, or or it shows up in another way. And and that's the way it shows up in him. But. You know, deep frustration is is probably the root of, and I can understand why he's frustrated. But there was just no need to do what he did. And even the comment that he made about ball boys, you know, he praised our own ball boy for reading the game, and he's criticising Southampton's for reading the game. Yes, they're going to slow the game up, and do you know what? If we're one nil up against Liverpool next Saturday, you watch you see if our balls are rushing to get the ball back on, or whether he's had a word with them to say slow it down. So, you know, he cries wolf too often, and, and we know that happens with him. We are going to go for one very final quick break, and when we return, we discuss Tottenham Hotspur's start to their FA Cup journey against Middlesbrough on Sunday. Hello, and welcome back to the last word on Spurs. Are we discuss now? Spurs' FA Cup journey, which is starting on Sunday against Middlesbrough. Hopefully, it's a long one. And we're playing a Middlesbrough side that I joked beforehand off-air that when we drew Middlesbrough under Jonathan Woodgate's side, there was a lot of uncertainty whether he'd still be in the job. However, typically since then, they're unbeaten in their last six home matches and they now have a huge chance to cause a massive cup upset on Sunday. Dan, I'll start with you because they have won their last four in a row. They've kept the last three in terms of clean sheets they're on a good form at the moment are you concerned about this one dad uh yes <laughs> um they like uh, they went to west brom i think two weeks ago or a week ago and they beat them 2-0 and west brom are flying well high on top of the the championship um i think woodgate's gonna have a point to prove uh they've got a blank week afterwards so they they're, they're gonna be up for this game I, I can't see them making too many changes i don't know what marino's gonna do um However, I get the feeling he will take it quite seriously. I think we might see Foyth or we might see uh, Lamella maybe come in. But I think it's going to be a pretty strong team. I certainly hope it's going to be a strong team anyway. Um, but yeah, it worries me. It definitely does. I mean, Ash, one of those things under Mourinho has always been the fact that he takes the domestic cup competitions very seriously. And whenever he goes to a club, he's very, very keen to try and put a trophy on board very early on to keep the supporters happy and to give himself some time. But when you look at this game, Spurs have only won one of their last four matches. We've only won three of our last 15 away matches in all competitions. Can we really be heading to Middlesbrough full of confidence at the moment? I don't think we can, especially with the, the form we had over Christmas. The, the only saving grace is he's probably going to change up the whole team for, for Middlesbrough. I mean, I can't see too many players who are playing in the Liverpool game playing in that 
a chance to see a few of the fringe players, give a few players game time. Can we afford to take that risk, though, do you reckon, on that, Ash? I mean, I feel he needs to play quite a strong team for us to have a chance of going through, don't we? I would say so, but where where are Middlesbrough in the league? That, that They could be resting players as well. I mean, the, the, the Championship's a tough league to get out of, and I'm sure they'd rather get promoted than win a cup. So they, they could ultimately rest players too. But yeah, if, if they play a full-strength team and, and we rotate, then it's going to be a close game. But to be honest, the, the way the team's performing at the moment, any team we put out is... It's going to be a hard game. Jase, we should see Hummin Son return to the frame after completing a three-match suspension. You would imagine Eric Lamella and Giovanni Luchessa will also hope to get rare starts under Mourinho. I mean, just how big is this game for him? Do you do imagine, Jase, if we don't get a result the weekend, then supporters, whilst at the moment it's been a fairly understandable start under Mourinho because he's working what he's got, you get a feeling that it could turn if we don't get a result here because of the nature of how we've played over this last three or four weeks yeah I think it would be a, a massive blow because you know whatever your stands on on Jose Mourinho is I mean you know we know our own Chris he he honestly believes that he'll come in and he'll he'll try and win that trophy and I think so many people think that Mourinho has come in to win trophies and so it would be a, a, a massive crushing blow to to lose in the third round and, and be out already but you know, in terms of would we rotate, I, I don't know what our rotational side and our strongest side is. That's that's the problem. And with no game for a week afterwards, you know, you shouldn't have to rest players. Um, and I think Borough, we've just said, have got a clean week afterwards. And, you know, if you're Jonathan Woodgate or Robbie Keane and you're up against Tottenham and you see that Tottenham are struggling at the moment, it's it's a massive chance for them to get a, a big result to, to help lift, lift some of the doom and gloom that Borough have had until the last few weeks. So I think both sides will actually try and, and pick what on paper is pretty much their strongest 11s. It may, may be that Lamella plays and I don't know if Rose will be fit, whether we give whether we give him another uh, outing. But I still think it will be pretty much as, as strong as we possibly go. I still think we'll see Sonny and players like that. So it's, it's not like we're going to chuck kids in. And when we did chuck a, a load of kids in, we, we saw a, a culture to what the problem with that is. So... It's a massive game for us. And at the moment, when you're you're not getting results, you just need a win to, to try and restore some confidence. And the last thing we want to do is go into the Liverpool game having been knocked out of the FA Cup. So he'll take it seriously, but it's a, it's a it's a hell of a game, that's for sure. It's a big um, thing for Woodgate, who's a, who's a very yeah. young new manager, for him to put a statement down. Um, so he's going to be going at it full full blast, I, I feel, anyway. Because it's Woodgate and Keane, the... the be more media scrutiny on that tie anyway. They're up against Mourinho's yep. side now. They're it's up on TV. It's on TV. So, you know, I, I can't see Woodgate and that just, just thinking, oh, we'll, we'll rotate and pick eight or nine players that, that don't normally play. And Dan, for you, just in terms of how crucial it is for our season, d- does this now become Tottenham's biggest fixture of the season for you? Do you, do you brand it as big as that? It's only as, it's only as big as the next round would be if we won, I think. Uh, I think this this competition is is going to be important to us because I think realistically it's the it's the only chance we've got left now to to win a trophy. Um, I don't want to be doom and gloom, but I can't really see us finishing fourth and going too far in the Champions League. So, in a way, you're right. This could be this could be the biggest game of the season. Well, let's finish up and get some predictions. Ash, I'm going to start with you. What are you going to go for? I'm going to go three one and a Troy Parrott hat trick. 
Troy Parrot Hattrick. You stole my scoreline, Ash. I was going to go through one as well. I wasn't going to go for a Troy Parrot Hattrick, to be fair. I was going to go for a, a Sonny Hattrick. Um, what a way to come back into the team after being out for three games. Jace, I know you absolutely hate predictions. Can oh, you give us one? I do. At the moment, I, I can't because it's, it's about attitude and desire. We have to get those things right. And, you know, we, we all thought we'd go to Norwich and win. We all thought we'd go to Southampton and win. And we get two really poor performances. So I, I honestly don't know which Spurs are turning up. That, that's the, It's been the same away for a year, hasn't it? I don't know what Spurs turns up. So in theory, if we show the attitude and the desire, then we should have too much quality for Middlesbrough. But I don't have a cat in hell's clue whether we'll show that attitude and desire. The, the worrying thing, Jace, you reckon, is if, if, you know, if Woodgate and Keane, there'll be 10 air players, start fast. If they start fast... Yeah then you, you do fear for Spurs. You know, you do fear if we go behind, have we got the character to come back, to, yep. to really come in back in this cup tie? So we need, as a, you know, we need Spurs to really start faster. I mean, for you, Dan, what are you going to give us? I, th- I think I'm going to be a bit negative. I'm sorry. I think we'll draw the game, but I think we'll go through. Um, I've got a feeling Dele Alley might get a goal or two. Okay. So you're, you're backing us to go through on the replay. Oh, yeah, I'm backing us right? to go through, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, on the replay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll go through. Okay. Guys, thank you ever so much. Dan, thank you for coming back on. Appreciate it under these difficult circumstances. It's got to get better, hasn't it, Dan? I'll be more cheery at some point next time I'm on. <laughs> well, Dan, the problem is every time I've asked you on, the results have got progressively worse. If <laughs> My record is terrible. Never invite me back. I can't promise that, Dan. I can't promise that. It's always a pleasure to have you on, Dan. Thanks so much. And Ash. Oh, cheers. Thanks, boys. Thank you for coming back on. Ash, I feel also the same with you. I think about, last time I had you on, it's not been under great circumstances, so I do apologise for that, Ash. Yeah, that's all right. It's fine. Thank but, yeah, so thanks much. for having me on. No problem at all. And Jace, you should be used to this, so I can't, you can't complain. I was going to say, let's be fair, most of the guests we've had on this year have been in difficult circumstances, <laughs> haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, keep the faith. Keep the faith. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, I mean, some, some guests have had to do the Bayern Munich 7-2 game. Yeah. yeah, these two boys, the one nil at Southampton, that's actually not too bad. Yeah, to be fair, they've had it easy. What, what they complained about, absolutely no reason to complain. <laughs> we are going to be back for next week to obviously look ahead to Spurs' game against Liverpool. A massive, massive crunch game. And also, of course, we're going to be reviewing Middlesbrough. Well, hopefully, we're going to be talking about a Tottenham Hotspur win. As always, keep the faith and come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network.